0: Welcome to the Pinch to Zoom podcast, the show where we zoom in on the latest tech news, products, and trends. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And this is gonna be a drone-focused episode. So first up, we've got Gabe doing a Go review of the new Mavic Air 2, and then we've got our tips and tricks from experienced drone pilots. Gabe and I have been flying for a couple of years now, so we've gathered our tips that we've learned from flying, and we'd love to share them with you guys. So if you're into drones, Stay tuned. But first, quick news. So Gabe, roll
1: that intro. Quick news. Quick news. All right, and welcome to quick news. The latest new tech, tech news and what's up next in tech. And we try to make it quick as well, but usually it goes on for far too long because there's a lot of stuff happening. Though in this uh, quick news segment, there's not actually a lot of new products. So first up, the Sony ZV-1 was their vlogging camera that they just came out with. It's a point-and-shoot like the RX100. Uh, You know, we talked about in the last episode, some of the rumors, it's finally out now. I'm personally think it's kind of cool, but I was a little disappointed in it, right? What about you, Setson?
0: I agree with that, Gabe. I think really, it's a really nice camera and it's amazing Sony finally put a flip-out screen in a point-and-shoot camera. The problem, the lens isn't wide enough and the stabilization they added crops in even more. So it's too tight to be a good vlogging camera, and I don't know, it's nice, but at the same time, I think you could just use your smartphone. That's my take.
1: Yeah, for $750, that's what it's going for. You know, you do get 4K video, you get that flip out touchscreen, which, you know, that's really great to be able to see yourself. You also get a hot shoe mount for mounting a mic on the camera. So it does, you know, touch all the buttons and checks all the boxes of stuff people would want in a vlogging camera but you know there's tons of videos online of creators you know getting a hands-on first look at this reviewing it and the thing seems to be that they're all kind of complaining could be you know a little wider would be nice uh and you know also we all have smartphones so that's the sony zv1 next up new product we had the vivo x50 and x50 pro and x50 pro plus uh, smartphones announced or kind of teased now Wait, you might be doing a hard scratch. Like, wait, Vivo smartphones? Yeah, I'm kind of... They uh, they make phones? They apparently do now. You know, they're known for TVs and stuff. And with this smartphones, yeah, they're bringing a good display. Uh, the rumored specs for the Pro Plus is going to be 120 hertz refresh and HDR10 support. But on the rest of the, uh, you know, the whole line of their flagship phones, which is what this is going to be, is that they're going to have a heavy-duty gimbal-like stabilization system. Ooh, I have mixed feelings about that. Like, wouldn't it be better just to put it in a proper gimbal already? I, I, I mean, I'm not really, I'm not sure. It's like, they, we haven't seen it yet. So they're describing it like a chameleon's eye and saying that the camera or the camera app is going to have an on-screen radar system that indicates when the shot is stable. All right, listen, I'm down for it. New
0: products, new competition right? is always good. Bring, Let's bring see some what it innovation.
1: Uh, The other interesting thing is that supposedly the X50, that entry-level one, is going to be the thinnest 5G-capable smartphone on the market. So, yeah, uh, that'll be interesting. No uh, date for that as well, though, and no price. So I guess stay tuned, and we'll see on those. Next up, if you want to drop a ton of money on audio, uh, look to Sonos, right? They make speakers Absolutely. and stuff. And they have three new ones out. They have the Five, which goes for $500. I guess that, that makes sense. I don't know if that's why they call it that. They also have the Sub Gen 3, which goes for $700. And that's a subwoofer, obviously. And then they have the ARC, which is uh, you know an audio, like a bar that goes under your TV, a TV sound bar, I guess they call it. Uh, and that goes for $800.
0: Now all, all of
1: these include, you know, the typical things that Sonos is known for, the airplay support, the audio over Wi Fi, the very good sound quality, arguably, and the ability to like pair them in rooms and stuff like that. The you know, they're all really expensive. The one I would say is probably the only one that's potentially worth it is the Arc, which is that sound bar. And that's because it actually has Dolby Atmos support. So this is a sound bar that you'd put under your TV, right? Without, you know, putting speakers all around your room or even having to buy a subwoofer, and it's able to offer 5.02 uh, audio. So what that is, let me break that down. Uh, that's basically you got five horizontal channels. so That's left, left surround, center, right surround, and right. And then it has two upward firing speakers that are able to reflect sound off of the ceiling so you get a, su- like a sense that there's sound coming from above you too.
0: That's brilliant. That reminds me of the Apple HomePod and how Apple made it so the speaker could assess its surrounding environment and then channel the sound waves to bounce and reflect off the walls
1: to create a richer
0: environment for the sound. It sounds like Sonos is doing something similar. A little similar. bit a
1: little bit like that. I think the AirPod has I mean the HomePod has maybe like 3 tweeters or 3 uh, speakers in there or something like that. This has I, I'm pretty sure like 13 different uh, you know, like tweeters and, and mid-range and, and then bass speakers in it. So it's packed. But again, $800. I don't know. You only,
0: you only buy a speaker once, though, right? And it lasts like 10 to 20 okay, years. Well, this is
1: the this is the thing. Sorry, you made me now uh, take a little sidetrack. But Sonos had this big controversy recently about how they weren't actually allowing their old speakers from like 10 years ago to be updated to new software. So they're essentially bricking them. And yeah, there was a huge controversy about this. So they're not actually uh, you know, completely future-proof because they do have a lot of audio uh, like processing going on and a lot of software built in that makes them smart speakers but also then makes them dumb come 10 years from now. All right, that's ridiculous. Yeah. All right. And the last thing, though, uh, is some cool stuff GoPro just did. They didn't release a new product, but they kind of released this new feature called GoPro Labs which is basically like them giving you a sneak peek at kind of some new experimental features they're working on or people in the community are working on. You can install it on your new GoPro eight. And you know, some of the stuff that I saw, which is cool is like, you can set your camera up and have it record when it senses motion. Right. So, you know, you don't have to be recording for five hours on a loop until something happens. It could just be, all right, it's ready to go as soon as it senses motion and then it'll stop when the motion stops or even other things like being able to have it say your name when it turns on and like display a name and like a phone number or whatever you really want. So very cool uh, thing you should check out if you're a GoPro 8 user. But yeah, that was not much for new stuff coming out. We do have a lot of new news though. First up, okay, Twitter is now
0: letting you schedule your tweets. This is great if you're- a... Whoa, this is insane. For... Tweet
1: better go jump off a bridge.
0: For uh, social media managers, you can schedule your tweets and your content um, and basically, create and engage your follow. Create content to engage with your followers in bulk, which is awesome. Instagram is now giving influencers fifty-five percent of ad revenue from Instagram TV videos, and this is all part of the platform's strategy to try and attract and build up their creator, uh, their creator base, basically. Like. YouTube, a big reason a lot of people do it is for AdSense earnings. They can make a living. They can make money doing it. And a big part of choosing to join a platform and produce content for a platform is the ability to make money. So Instagram trying to attract creators by doing this, potentially pulling them away from TikTok or other creative platforms.
1: Next up. Yeah, I I definitely think that it's going to be interesting to see uh, if TikTok can ever really monetize their platform for creators. because so much of the content is potentially uh, copyrighted. It's true. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it's such a weird like...
0: space right now. It's popular, but it's unclear yeah. how it will continue. Yep. Next up, Apple pays a hacker $100,000 for a sign into Apple security bug. Basically, Apple and many other big companies have bounties out. If you can find a serious security flaw and make it repeatable and, and share that with Apple, they will reward you for that and then fix the bug. And that helps keep Apple's products safer and more secure. And it also helps reward the hacker community. Google now has a new Android tool that will help you stay six feet away from other people. Gabe, I don't know if you saw this. This is actually really cool. It brings up an augmented reality view through the camera and it will draw a line around you that is six feet away from when the camera is pointing. So you can kind of like hold up your phone, you can see a line virtually drawn on the ground and be like, all right, buddy, you got to take a few steps back. Or, you know, it just helps you kind of be more mindful of that. Just get just being hit by cars, though,
1: while you're trying to look at your <laughs> like phone and Holding your that phone, spinning around. Yeah. Uh,
0: and I guess on a similar note, Google has actually postponed the Android 11 unveiling because of all the protests that have been going on. Oh, snap.
1: Are they. Were they going to do it like a Google I.O. or were they not going to do that?
0: Well, they typically they were going to do it at Google I.O. And that was canceled because of the coronavirus. And now I think they were just going to do a separate kind of release or announcement. And now that has also been postponed. Just kind of give space for everything that's going on right now. I think that's a smart move PR wise for them. Absolutely. All right. Next story. MSN lays off reporters in favor of a.i. This is a really interesting, potentially controversial story, and what's going on here is Microsoft, Microsoft News, MSN, and Microsoft's, uh, excuse me, the the team that helps create news stories and curate the news stories that appear on the homepage for Microsoft News, MSN, and Microsoft Edge's browser, uh, basically people were going through and handpicking articles to put there. Now, Microsoft has unfortunately, to some degree, laid off those people, but has replaced them with an AI to scan the internet for news articles and then highlight those and select them uh, for the feed. So this this makes sense. The AI isn't writing, it's just curating content,
1: which I, I feel like is basically done on all platforms. Like, uh- Well, eventually there's going to be writing articles, so this should just be seen as one small step in the long series of uh, everyone being unemployed because robots took our job. So we're going to need to figure something out for that. And
0: lastly, on last week's Go Review episode, I reviewed the Brave browser and news came up that Brave was autofilling cryptocurrency sites with referral codes. Specifically, if you went to binance.com, you entered that in the URL, that's a valid domain, and it should take you directly to binance.com, but Brave was autofilling it with its referral code. This raised some controversy and Brave founders are saying a fix is in the works to make sure that is turned off by default. And in the meantime, there is a setting in within the Brave browser itself where you can also turn that off. So that's well, what definitely not definitely not a good look from, for them. For it's sure. not it's not a great look. I still like their browser, uh, but I'm a huge yeah. fan of Microsoft Edge as well. So that is hey, what wasn't it?
1: Wasn't it also just announced that Google Chrome, uh, their Incognito mode, they've been saving your data for years, and there's a whole lawsuit. So could be worse, right? <laughs> yeah, know- I guess so.
0: Controversies in the web browser space. That's what new. That's what's new with
1: news in tech. And yeah, now we have last segment uh, in the quick quick news segment is rumors. You know the what's up next? We had Google. You know, I use uh, Chromecast with my Google Stadia. I think you have one too, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's a it's a decent device. I still am not all down on the casting thing. I th- I think having a standalone smart TV interface is better. But it looks like we'll be getting a new device uh, for the Chromecast line. It's I like this. It's nicknamed or codenamed Sabrina. Interesting. What do you like? What do you think that means? Why do you like that? I don't know. I think someone was a fan of Sabrina the Teenage Witch or something. OK. But yeah, it looks like it's going to be made by Asus uh, hardware wise. And yeah, well, I, I don't know. Do we have a release date for that? I
0: don't think we have a release date. I imagine they were planning on announcing it at I.O. So we could see Probably, yeah. an announcement alongside the Android 11 release date or, or the announcement when that happens. Um, and I think the other thing I saw with this is it's coming with a remote, which is
1: which is brand new. Like you were saying, you and almost yeah, you like. And the I TV. was actually seeing it looks like they are trying to add a, some sort of UI, UI in. So I could, you know, my all my prayers could be answered. I'm excited to see that. And I guess on a similar note, like the Chromecast is
0: Google's way of allowing you to use your streaming services, and it's somewhat similar but very different. Uh, now I'm realizing, uh, Apple for their streaming services they're now bundling them together iOS 14 code is revealing that you can now get your iCloud subscription, your Apple Music subscription and your Apple TV Plus subscription or other subscriptions Apple offers bundled together for potentially a discount.
1: And that's that's a smart move for them. They can upsell people who, you know, were just all right, I'm just going to do iCloud and, you know, I'm going to do Spotify. Uh, but then they can also save people money who are already buying all those services. Right. Like, oh, only an
0: extra three bucks to get Apple Music or something like that. Yeah, why yeah. not? And this is part of Apple's shift from a hardware company to more of a services company.
1: I think that's a good move. I can't wait for that. It'll probably save me money. And iOS 14, uh, we also got some sneak peeks that it's going to include a built in translator in Safari, as well as Apple Pencil support on the iPhone. Now, I remember when uh Steve Jobs originally released the iPhone, one of his big things was he made fun of, you know, like the Palm Pilot and other similar touchscreen devices back in the day that had a pencil for them. So this I feel like is whoa, hold on a second. You know, a stylus
0: coming to iPhone, it seems controversial, it's messed up. I see I, a great I, use for this actually. And all right. it's for older people. My grandfather, for example, you know the Apple TV remote, it has like a Trackpad on it where you can swipe around the UI. He's so bad with that. He sits down on a table, puts the remote in front of him, and actually (laughs) gets a stylus out to use it. And it feels so bad. And I think, to be quite honest, having Apple Pencil support or supporting styluses for iPhone uh, could be a big help for some people. And I think it's like an accessibility thing that can help a lot of people with that. And lastly, in our rumor department, We've seen this coming out for a while, again, in the iOS 14 code, and it's Apple's new over-ear studio headphones. These would be similar to Sony's WH-1000XM3s or the new XM4s when those come out very soon or the Bose 700 headphones. It's rumored Apple is gonna be replacing the Beats Studio Pro branding and all of the Beats branding, phasing that out in favor of, we basically have, they're gonna get rid of all the Beats brand. Yeah, that, I mean, so I
1: think that's a dumb move. I think personally,
0: we'll find out for sure. No but I think Apple I think they're pivoting it. They're taking the, the sound, team. technology, and the engineering, and putting it in their AirPods, their AirPods Pro, and now the Apple Studio. Headphones. I,
1: I still think leaving Beats. I think I think I don't think they'll get rid of Beats completely. I still think they'll leave it as a like a branding for you know more act action like not active wear, athletics, yeah, yeah active wear type stuff, right? and more like hip-hop inspired like fashionist. I like that. Fashionist. I like fashion wear. So that was our- Fashionist wear, only for
0: dictators. (laughs) That was our quick news. Uh, Next up we have our Go Review. And our Go Review is our segment where one of us assigns the other person a product to go out into the world to review. And they test it out, and then on the next episode they share their thoughts. So last week, or I guess two weeks ago, I asked Gabe to review Either Google Stadia or the Mavic Air 2. He has chosen to review the Mavic Air 2. Wait, no, Google Stadia actually, last second pivot. No. <laughs> uh so Gabe, yeah. What are your thoughts on the Mavic Air 2 as you're setting up? Uh, what do you have to share with us? Is is this drone worth it? Tell me what you think about it.
1: Well, first off, I want to mention this is, of course, now we're doing video podcast reviews for our Go review segment. So I had to set up a camera, get it recording. And grab the Mavic Air 2. So I actually have it in front of me here. But yeah, the Mavic Air 2, basically for those people who don't know, this is DJI's newest drone as of spring 2020. So it came out, I think it was announced right like last week in May, or April, first week in May, and started shipping May 11th. It goes for $799, so basically $800. uh, And that's the standalone version. Or you can go $988, so almost $1,000 for the Fly More Combo Kit. And basically what you get with the Flymore Combo Kit, which is what I would recommend to most people looking at this drone, is you get two extra batteries, so three in total. You get uh, ND filters, which are actually, honestly, really unhelpful, because they're far too dark. And they don't include the DC car charger, which they usually have done. So I still would recommend it, but they kind of, honestly, in my opinion, uh, made the, like the Fly More Combo Kit less uh, enticing. Now, actually getting to the review of the drone itself, I've had this drone for about three weeks now, I wanna say, right? It's yeah, you know, so I think you got it June. a week
0: before the previous episode, which was two weeks ago. So yeah. that's right so on yeah, the three about, week mark. About three weeks. I've flown it gosh, so much. I just I've flown it I saw in your social channels like all of these pictures of it. So I know you've gotten some great airtime with it.
1: Yeah, it's it's probably been about thirty or forty flights. Um, you know, just cycling through the three batteries constantly. Going out almost every day, sometimes, and doing flights in the morning, flights in the evening, really to try to, you know, get an idea of what this drone is capable of. You know, a lot of reviewers out there are quick to, you know, get up a review, quick first impressions, and call it a review. I like to go in depth and really, like, all right, you know, once you've gotten through like the high of having a new product that we all feel, right? It's exciting. You get something new. new. Oh, it's great. You love it. I'll I'll give anything a good review, most likely in the first uh like 2 3 days even longer like week uh if it's something that I, I really have wanted and paid money for uh and unfortunately you know there's not a lot of bad to say about this product so you i like don't know it. if that's i don't know if that's unfortunate or not i think that's good but i i always like when i can come up with some good criticisms so i'll start with the pros though we'll get to the criticisms eventually first off this is DJI's newest drone right and while the camera quality is definitely not going to come anywhere close to the camera quality of the Mavic uh, 2 Pro, well, okay, it'll come close, but you know, there's there's the HLG uh, 10-bit mode on the Mavic 2 Pro that I have next to me here. Uh, and that is, yeah, you can't even come close to that, honestly. It's gorgeous. Because the color, yeah, the colors there, the dynamic range is just incredible. I will say, however, the Mavic Air 2 featuring a quad Bayer sensor, which basically look it up. It's easier to explain uh, in like an infographic, but what it basically is, is it's able to almost do like dual exposures because it has four times the pixels you would usually have in a sensor. And it can thus do HDR video by letting some pixels underexpose, some pixels overexpose and combining it in a final video. However, it's not actually true HDR video. So it's basically just increased dynamic range video, kind of like your photos do right where on your iPhone, where it increases the dynamic range, right? Yeah, by taking multiple exposures.
0: It's like auto HDR, whereas the yes, HLG exactly. mode in the Mavic Two Pro, that's true HDR. Like you're getting a much wider uh, color space and dynamic range with that.
1: Yeah, but so I will say, so that's the image quality. You know, I'll, I'll hopefully in the video version of this, I'll have some side by side pictures, examples, or different things. And but and talking
0: listeners can actually find sample cinematic footage on your youtube channel right of the map on my 2 channel Pro. yeah
1: yeah i'll hopefully have a full uh, thing of all the footage i've shot up there eventually but yeah so talking about the drone though because this is the really more important thing the drone is the newest drone from dji and basically how dji kind of does their releases is even if it's not their most expensive drone like for example the mavic mini that's a 400 drone but when that came out that was pretty close to being one of their better drones because it had the newest technology, right? It had the newest ESCs for controlling the motors. It had, you know, the newest uh, software on there for helping it stay stable in flight or, you know, basically be a good drone. And that's that's their beginner drone. So now this is their mid-range drone and it has the newest stuff and it's two years newer than the Mavic 2 Pro. So you can guarantee that this is the best drone they made. Uh, you know, the flight time, 34 minutes they advertise. I will say that that's very optimistic. I found in my experience, it was more like 25, and the most I got was 28 minutes. Is this uh, is this when you're landing or when the low battery warning goes off? This is, this is when I'm... If you go in the DJI Fly app or any other apps, it actually keeps track of your flight time. And so I looked through and averaged out the times. And I will say, honestly, like, I have pushed that so close to not making it back yeah like there's been some times where i've been out let's just say very far probably where i can barely see the drone and i'm you know i it's beeping at me hey you gotta land you gotta land you gotta land and then it finally as you know sets him from flying or maybe you don't know because you haven't been as crazy as me you get to a certain point we'll we'll say i am landing now yeah it just just starts landing exactly and i've been in that mode uh very far out and just flying back to me over water, mind you, uh, and just hoping that I can get the drone back to me in time. Jeez, and and so like I have pushed it to its full, and the, the most I've ever gotten is twenty eight minutes. So it but, is
0: it is a little bit underperforming from their optimistic battery. But length. I will
1: say also, I think that's that's they rate that at like flying forward at four miles. There's like a certain way they rate it, right? Sure. Um, and so their Mavic two pro, for example, I averaged around 23 minutes and the Mavic mini I average around 21. So it is actually the best battery life, but it's just don't expect 34 minutes. Uh, however, it is very, very, uh, impressive what it's able to do. And it's more than enough now design of the drone. I will say compared to the Mavic mini, it feels a lot more premium. The Mavic mini feels very cheap plastic. You know, their main goal with that drone was, you know, it's $400. And it's also under 250 grams. So it's a super light. Right. The Mavic Air 2, they didn't have that constraint of let's make it super light. They mainly were focusing on making it, you know, very portable. In fact, they actually went up a little bit in size, though, from the previous Mavic Air. So in that sense, you know, if you thought the Mavic Air was too big for your travels, then Mavic Air 2 probably is definitely too big. It's not for you. But it sounds like they
0: focused more on the premium quality
1: of this drone without that weight constraint. Well, yeah, exactly. They kind of have gotten to the point where the Mavic Mini is very good. You know, that's a very good drone. It only, you know, shoots 2.7K because they had to cap it out, you know, at a certain point. They couldn't shoot Couldn't make it 2K. Yeah, they'd kill their own products. So they had to, you know, make some reason that you'd upgrade. And basically, the reason or the thing they're doing now is, I think, is they're upsizing all their drones. So they're going to put the Mavic Air 2 at slightly bigger. You know, they're adding some slightly more pro features like that fake HDR. And they're going to upsize then the Mavic uh, 3 Pro. Sorry, did I say the Mavic 2 Pro earlier? I meant the Mavic Air 2 was, you know, it's gotten slightly bigger. The next Mavic 3 is also going to get bigger like the Autel Evo 2. So I would expect that to get a little bigger. So yeah, this drone overall feels very premium. Uh, You know, everything folds out nicely. It has sensors go on the back, on the front, and on the downward side. So not full 360. Uh, however, I will say I do like the implementation that they have for the new uh, front and back. Basically what you can imagine is if you go into the DJI Fly app, um, you see if you're coming towards something, you see kind of an orange bar appear on the top Yep. and it shows kind of where in the range. So if it's some an object in the middle, you'll see a lot of orange in the middle of that bar. Or if it's like, you know, you're, you have a wall on either side, it'll be orange kind of gradients come up on the sides. On okay. The and the same for the back is on the bottom. So I really like that implementation. It's a very good UI, um, and yeah, overall a very good drone. Uh, it's it's. I wouldn't say it's impossible to crash crash. You know, Skydio everything makes is it possible. Re- well, I would say, and and we'll probably add this in in our um, uh, pro tips for flying drones. Active track, I would not trust on this drone at all. As far as don't be away from your controller if it's following someone or you around, because. Yeah, it doesn't have that full 360, and it could very happily plow into any object. Sure, that makes you know. sense. It's not going to do it. But, yeah, that's that's basically the drone itself, I would say. That gets a, almost 10 stars for me.
0: Great battery wow. life, great camera. It's got the newest sensors. Yeah. It's awesome hardware. Uh, What was your take on the DJI
1: Fly app? Oh, well, that's that's going to stay for the cons. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Let, the next, please the continue next with Pro. the Pro. Yeah. yeah. The pros, I will say, is the new controller. Now, I here have in the video the side-by-side of, uh, hopefully it's, yeah, it's recording, okay, side-by-side of the DJI Mavic 2 Pro controller, which is the old style from the original Mavic line of controllers where it's kind of a long rectangular thing uh, and you put the phone below it, to the new one, which they released with the Mavic Air 2 and will likely be the controller design going forward, which is a very bricky, Kind of it looks uh, huge. Shape. It's very large. I will give it that. They, you know, they did not care at all with this release about making stuff smaller. So it's very large. And as a result, uh, there's the downside of, yeah, it's less portable, it's heavier, but you get an incredible battery life. I've almost had to never charge this thing for three you know, I've weeks. I've it maybe once or twice. Yeah. I've charged it like once or twice, and I, I didn't really want to push it. But I also like putting that phone on the top, the new mount. I, you have the uh, Mavic 2 Zoom, right? Which I the do. Bottom so I, yes. how, how is that for you? I mean, a couple of mixed takes. On one hand, I think it's a
0: little bit harder to see the footage because everything is kind of below the control sticks. It's easy for your hands to get in the way. On the other side, I find it easy to quickly take my thumb and go down and tap the phone to, to make adjustments, to control settings, to start and stop recordings and things like that. So it's easy to reach, but it's more
1: challenging to view. So that's that's what I'd say yeah I, I actually agree with that and I that's potentially one of the cons with this new design is that it's very hard to get up to the screen and you know switch photo modes or stuff like that. so I think something that would also be another con of this controller design for the Mavic air 2 at least is it needs more buttons because it needs to be able to have shortcuts you know on the controller itself. I think with the eventual Mavic 3 pro whenever that comes out, that will have a lot more buttons like the Mavic two pro controller and probably have a display on it as well so that that will kind of remedy that somewhat, but yeah the you know I do love it it's a lot more stable. The controller cable feels like it actually plugs in well and it isn't like you know
0: it looks much easier this connector to set up too
1: it's it's more it basically creates more of a like one device with your phone rather than the other one, which always felt like you had a phone attached to a controller right so I would overall I would say I'd give this like a probably seven and a half stars uh, and it's definitely a positive improvement uh, compared to the previous controllers now I think the last oh and and one more thing in this in the controller segment is of course the range of this device Uh, it's probably pretty on par with the Mavic 2 Pro it is the new OcuSync 3.0 or is it I I think it's 3.0 now yeah I think it's 3.0 they have everything's on different uh, generations for them. But this, I would say, is a very big improvement. The one thing is it's kind of hard to tell which way it actually is, you know, directional with the controller. Do you uh, not have antennas on it anymore? Yeah, you don't really have antennas. It's just this block up here at the top. Jeez, That is kind of flat. And that's where the antennas are. However, because it's close to your smartphone, you have to make sure you always have Bluetooth off and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure you don't want to interfere with that. Yeah, right. That's going to diminish your range. Though it's never popped up any warnings, so I don't really know, uh, but I would I would just be cautious about that. But yeah, the range is very good, and more importantly, because you know you're never really gonna test or okay, if you want to stay within the FAA's laws, you're never gonna test that. What is it? I think eight
0: mile range. I think it's, like, saying I think now? it's eight kilometers. That's
1: my. No, I think it's t- ten kilometers. Really, Increased sure, actually, it. Yeah, it's ten kilometers, uh, and you're never gonna test that, but. What is important is when you're flying in areas that have a lot of Wi-Fi signals, a lot of, you know, electricity lines or whatever, stuff that's in the air uh, could be, you know, potentially causing interference. Having a nice strong signal that could go out in theory 10 kilometers is going to mean that when you're a thousand feet out, two thousand feet out, you're going to have a very strong signal and always have a connection.
0: It's true that 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 makes a big difference. And it is scary whenever you lose connection or you can't control your drone or there's a lot of lag. Uh, that can make you nervous as a pilot. So I think that is a generally a positive for the controller. Uh, do you want to move into cons now, or do you have anything else you want
1: Yeah, I'm going to go on to the cons. All right. So first off, the number one con, I'm actually turning on the controller so I can use that DJI Fly app. Oh, boy. And I don't know, actually, do I have to turn on the drone too? Well, this is annoying. I'm not going to turn it on, and I'm just going to say whatever. We're gonna. I'm just going to describe it. I can't show you how bad it is because it's really bad. So they started DJI Fly app, for those who don't know, is their new app that they're likely going to be releasing all new drones on, including, including you know, the Mavic 2 Pro. I don't know if you they'll put You the mean the Mavic Inspire, 3 Pro? Mavic 3 Pro, sorry, gosh, this naming is just awful. Uh, I don't know if they'll eventually put a new Inspire on there, like the Inspire 3 on that, or if they ever decide to revive the Phantom line, if they'll put a Phantom 5 on that as well. But I'm imagining this is their app going forward. Now the problem, I think, is that the DJI Fly app was originally designed for the Mavic Mini, and it's very simplistic and stuff. And so it's great for beginners in that sense, but they're kind of having a hard time adding these new features in while keeping them in a way that's like easily accessible for pro users, right?
0: Yeah, so you almost have two different types of people trying to use the same app. It's almost as if the features of Final Cut Pro were put into iMovie,
1: like yeah, it's kind of like that initial Final Cut Pro that was released when it first came out, and you're like, this is awful. Or it's like if they took a point and shoot camera interface and put it on a DSLR or something like that. And it's just, there's just, it's hard to describe. And maybe a little bit is the learning. I mean, not the learning curve, but adjusting from the DJI Go is different. Uh, for app, yeah, it's different. There's always a little, you know, a little bit of like hesitancy, and I don't like the new thing. But this really just feels like there's a lot of places where I'm, where I'm having to click through multiple screens that wouldn't been things aren't where they should be, or there's uh, not even the option for something that could have been available uh, in the old one. Granted, I think we'll have to see what actually happens to this app once the new uh, Mavic 3 Pro comes out, because I think then it will get updated with even more Pro features and that could bring it on par to the GGI Go 4. But until then, yeah, it's, that's been probably the biggest letdown uh the second oh and also that the fact that it doesn't have uh downward height sensing on the Mavic Air 2. Ooh that's weird. So does it Which not is, display your altitude? No, it must. It dis- it displays your altitude, but for people who don't know the Mavic 2 Pro, Mavic, I think the original Mavic Pro and the Mavic yeah, the Mavic Air original one, they all had optical downward sensors and the Mavic Air 2 also has those. But for some reason it doesn't actually display like When you get within, I think, 13 feet of the ground, maybe 20 feet of the ground, the Mavic 2 Pro will display the height. And that's great for if you're flying over water, flying over something, pretty much any surface, and you don't want to hit the ground or whatever. You can, you know, without, if you don't have a great view of your drone, you can know just how high you are above the terrain. Uh, And it, yeah, it doesn't display that. So that's weird, kind of annoying. I wonder if
0: that's a DJI fly
1: app issue or if i think
0: that's what it is so hopefully a software update it's it's always weird saying oh hopefully a software update fixes this product but i think that's the case and dji is actually pretty good about pushing out major software updates to their products i would that's that's the thing i would i I have a heart
1: like i was gonna put in as a con the lack of like the function button on the dji controller right now you can only, on the new one, uh, on the Mavic Air 2, you can only set that to do like turning off the lights on the bottom and like popping up the map view. There's like three settings you can set it to, even though it technically, you can click it and double click it. So it has two uses. I think they should also add a long press maybe too. But you know, for you, you've used the Mavic 2 Zoom, you know that you can click to go like camera down, you can so many different things you yeah can they set give you uh, to do. a 5d pad where you can
0: up down yeah. left right press it in and the shortcuts just make flying so much easier and you can quickly position the camera get ready to go get your shot i um, and it's part of what makes that controller specifically so great and it sounds like part of the dji fly app and the new controller design are kind of limiting that to some
1: degree right now yes exactly Uh, But I would say I wouldn't include that in my negative because I'm assuming that DJI is going to add some sort of update, you know, in the first update or down the road that will remedy that. So the last two cons about this product, first one's very easy to explain. One is that I think this will soon be outpaced by the Mavic 3 Pro, uh, obviously, and that could be as soon as, you know, this fall, September, October. November, or that could be, we have to wait until next year. I would lean towards uh, it being this fall, but you know, for people who have the Mavic two pro and are like, Ooh, should I upgrade to the air 2? I would say it it's definitely, it's an improvement in some ways, but if you really only care about the image quality, uh, the, you can't beat the Mavic two pro. So wait around for the three pro to come out. Uh, and then I guess that's kind of a little bit based about image quality is the fact that the Mavic air two doesn't have uh like adjustable autofocus or something. It's just a fixed focus like an action camera, which I guess could be a benefit in some situations where you know you don't miss focus. But it for especially for photography, I notice when you know you're doing like a for example, an aerial like shot of a building kind of close up where the building's in the foreground, the background isn't doesn't have that nice blur. You know, it's just all kind of the same depth.
0: I think and, yeah. I mean to to pull what i'm hearing together i mean it sounds like the mavic air 2 is the perfect drone to get if it's your first drone getting into dji it's got awesome new features it's got great image quality for the price and it's a really good value but if you're an existing mavic 2 pro owner or you already own another drone you're better off waiting for the mavic or, 3 pro or even the mavic pro i almost i mean i uh, the I image would isn't that pretty Pro. great. I would get the air two over that any day.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right there. For the So yeah, I'm I should have just let you do the review, honestly, because you probably summed it up better. But yeah, that's pretty much the TLDR is get this drone uh if you have the air. Um, and I'd probably recommend it over the mini as well, the Mavic Mini, unless you really care about that small size and are really looking for it for traveling. I don't know who's traveling nowadays, but you know if that's what you're hoping to do in the future sometime uh i'd look at the Mavic mini because it is really so small but but the air 2 with about- that battery life i mean the mini is just yeah, it's it hard, dies it's so hard fast well like i said 21 minutes though versus 25
0: it's not that i think it i think it makes a difference in your confidence your flight time being able to get back home safely i don't know
1: yeah I'll, uh, you know, and I guess oh, wind, wind stability is the big thing there with the extra weight too. Uh, yeah. So I guess, uh, yeah. The that's that's pretty much it. I would say I overall Mavic Air two, I would give it probably eight stars, eight out of ten. Yeah, ten. Uh, and that could go up in the future, but that's right now based on DJI. You know, the way they release their products is software updates down the road fix like all the problems.
0: Hopefully we do see that and hopefully that rating can go up Gabe. Thank you so much for your go review
1: What yeah, I, I probably really wasn't on camera for most of it. So whatever, but It's the trialing process.
0: Do you do you have a new product or idea for me to go out and review for our next episode?
1: You know we've joked about it for a while Okay But I'm going to give you Google Stadia and only Google Stadia because we're planning for our next episode to do a gaming special because they canceled E3 this year. For people who don't know, that's the video gaming conference that happens every year. And we're we're jumping into gaming. We're getting some friends on who are gamers. And I thought, hey, we should embrace it fully. And you should review uh, a video game or the closest thing to a video game console that either of us own, which is Google Stadia. Yeah. All right. I
0: appreciate it. I will go out and review that and report back to the audience. So that's our go review segment. Gabe, thank you so much. Let's move on to the main topic for this show. And that is our tips from our experiences as drone pilots. Gabe, how long have you been flying drones? Like clearly you have three in front of you right now. The Mavic Mini. I have four in front
1: of me, please. Oh my God.
0: Sorry. (laughs) My mistake. You've four drones sitting in front of you. How did you get into drones? When did you start flying?
1: I have been flying, I'm pretty sure, eight years now. I can't quite remember. Wow. It's it's a long time. Oh, my gosh. Right, because you had the 3DR solo. You did your rap video. Before the 3DR solo, I even had the Blade QX350, which was a drone that you would literally just attach a GoPro to, position it, start recording, take off, and hope and pray that you got what what you were hoping to get because there was no live feed from the drone. There was no... Return. Although well, it was a, there was a very rudimentary return home, but it did not work sometimes. Yeah, it was. It was compared to what we have now. I always remind myself that even when like complaining about the slight things about the Mavic Air two, that how far we've come is just insane. It's really one so, of
0: those new technologies that just had that exponential growth curve in terms of. Yeah, technology I've been. Fl- I, I actually
1: looked in the DJI app and. I don't know if this really has all my flights, but it said, supposedly, I have about 100 hours of flight time. That's huge. That's a long like time to be there.
0: Especially because it's yeah. only 30 minutes per flight. Like, that's... Uh, well, two, that's 30 minutes
1: maximum. Most of them are, like, twenties. So,
0: that's three flights per hour?
1: I think it was, like, 600 flights or something Jeez, like that. Jeez,
0: that's impressive. Yeah. I think I really got into droning my my sophomore year of college at Ithaca. They had a drone course get certified i was like yeah this seems like a great opportunity and so i went and i got certified that's how i got my license and actually it all started because in 2017 i did a summer internship at drone genuity and that's when i bought the new mavic pro that had just come out so that's how i got into it
1: so you had flown prior to the drone yeah course.
0: so that was that was in 2017 and now i guess it's just 2020 so it's only been three short years i am nowhere close to your eight-year mastery i am a young padawan uh, bow before bow before the guru or something the guru so uh, yeah i mean i guess i think when it comes to tips th- the few categories i had were like before you get a drone before you fly and then kind of while you're flying and the like, tips for getting the the cameras and the shots and the gorgeous photos that people like you share on instagram
1: uh does that does that make sense to kind of start with that at the at the unplanned creative right yeah at <laughs> yeah. that one of my 80 accounts that I have.
0: Well, it gets a lot of likes. I like yeah, it.
1: Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, that. I mean, I had no categories whatsoever, so that's so, a very, it mean, seems to make sense. The one thing I want to jump in, like before you get a drone, first
0: of all, you know, like, research the drones and what to get. I would say make sure you live in an area that is outside of a no-fly zone because the worst thing that can happen is you order the new Mavic Air 2, it shows up at your house, You're so excited to get into it. And suddenly DJI prevents you from taking off because you're within a five mile radius of an airport. Like that, that's hard in my opinion. Well, I would
1: honestly, I mean, I guess, yes, that's a thing. But I would say usually you don't want to fly at your home anyways, especially when you first get a drone. The biggest mistake people are going to make is they're going to, I mean, there's literally a video online I saw of this. Got a Christmas Day person and opens it up inside flies the drone and crashes into their new 4K TV they also got for Christmas and breaks both of them. So that's a heartbreaker. Uh I guess pl- yeah. point two, don't fly inside. Like that's an instant No, never okay, so here's all right, beginning and slash getting your first drone the tips I would have is one, start with a very cheap drone that doesn't have any uh, you know, GPS sensing or directional sensing whatsoever. And it's just literally if you push forward on the stick, it goes forward, push forward to back, you know, stuff like that. And you can find them online for under $100 easily. Horizon Hobby makes some good ones. There's plenty out there. I don't even have to, like, just Google it. You'll find them. That's what I would say first. Get something that you could possibly fly inside that you can mess around with that you can crash. It's small enough that it'll bounce back. And you can really learn uh, just kind of the idea of how the Control 6 works, especially if you're not, like, used to video games or something like that or have never used an RC thing. It's really helpful.
0: I I don't know. I think I actually disagree with that. I find the sensors built into DJI's drones can actually help you fly along with the intelligent flight modes and tripod mode, which I think we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, but in the DJI Go app, I don't know if this still is uh, still in the new Fly app, but there is a simulator that you can actually launch. So you can power on the drone and you can enter the simulator and in there kind of practice the controls and the maneuvers. So I would See, almost I say still- like... I- No, I would save your money. I think we have differences here, but that's fine. Like I would save your money, put it towards a nicer drone
1: and then just go out to an open field to fly like that and like learn there. See, this is where we disagree because I, you know, I've, I guess maybe it's because you've experienced only newer drones, but starting from the beginning when stuff can fail at a moment's notice, right? You can have your GPS blow out, your compass go out or whatever, you know, obstacle avoidance isn't foolproof. And being able to actually fly the drone uh, without all that is very helpful, you know? Sure, I, I can understand and that. So that's what, that's what I think. And it just gives you a, an intro to it that's real world, but yet not very high stakes. So, but yeah, then going on to your next point of saying go to an open field, that would be my second tip. Boom. Uh, when you get a drone, do not try to be like, oh, I'm so excited. I, I understand that. I understand you want to fly it immediately. But take your time. You know, take, go to a day when you have plenty of time. Go to like uh, high school when they're not in session because they look at you very creepily if you're flying flying around people. You know, on a weekend, go to a high school like track or a football field or a baseball field, something like that. Where there's not a lot of trees. There's also very importantly not a lot of power lines because those are those, those love snag and not a lot of people. That too. I mean there can be a few people, but yeah, definitely. You know, make sure there's a there's, yeah. It's a place where you can fly around, not bother people and you don't have a lot to hit, also make sure, like you mentioned earlier, it's not a no-fly zone. so You don't have that issue. But I would say plan on having your first 10 to 20 flights be at a place like that. I think that's a good recommendation. I think, you know, something we actually did
0: in the flight course, I'm sure you did this too, is we set up a trash can. And part of our challenges were to just fly in a circle around the trash can or fly in a square around the trash can and bring the drone back. And I think setting up uh, it's like when you learn to drive, like setting up kind of certain challenges or obstacles to do on this open field can help you better prepare and maneuver the drone and learn the controls and figure out how to make the drone do what you want. Because it, it can be tricky. Like when the drone is facing you, the controls are backwards.
1: And so yeah, that's that's the hardest thing for beginners to get
0: like understanding that and recognizing that and learning how to maneuver the drone in those positions and becoming familiar with that,
1: I think is huge.
0: And I guess like,
1: yes. from my... And even just even just getting used to the new drone, because I still, as, a, as like a very experienced user, I get a new drone, the Mavic Air 2, I'll take it out. You know, maybe it's not an open field, but it's someplace that's, you know, not very complicated to fly in. It's very easy. Not a lot of people. And I can, you know, try out, oh, what's this feature does? What this new thing does? How does it operate? How does it handle wind? Stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And I guess... I mean, almost going back to the beginning too. like, I would recommend watching a bunch of videos on it. Like this is the, when I first got my drone, I was poring over the internet, understanding the different settings and options and configurations, because you can go in and tune the settings to be less sensitive. So a joystick movement or input can have less of an impact on the drone. It won't go as fast, it won't be as jerky. And this can be helpful for kind of flying in a little bit slower, more controlled manner.
1: Yeah, I I, th- I think that's definitely right. You should know, uh, you know, do the research, do the watch the videos, the tutorials and stuff. But really, for the beginning, it's a lot about getting the skills. Yeah, practicing. You know, kind of like how you go out, and just take photos, right? When you first get a camera or something or start taking video. And then f- as you figure out, oh, how can I do this? That's when you look it up. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of getting into um, flying. What was your different subjects again or categories? Sorry. I guess so that was before you get a drone, getting a drone, I think quickly, like,
0: based on the drones available now like what drone would you recommend for what kind of person
1: uh okay i just say dj is the way to go all right next question yeah so um, it's yeah. not it's not
0: what manufacturer like don't get parrot or don't get autel evo uh, i
1: i hate to say that and i hate to boil it down to that simple a thing right it's it's it feels so awful it feels like you're selling out feels like you're a fanboy but unfortunately the way it is i mean it's so reliability true. right look at Artel. they were supposed to release the uh evo 2 8k and 6k 6K back in march that got pushed back the 8k is actually available in shipping but the 6k still is not shipping so i mean it might be a good drone once it comes to it you know they're a smaller company and stuff skydio i would say is something to look at they do seem to be like they're you know granted they have a ton of back orders but the drones that are getting out there people are really loving so maybe look at that it has some good obstacle avoidance and tracking you're not really into flying, but DJI probably, if you want a drone, uh like the the best drone out there, and you really want to work at getting aerial footage and taking aerial fo- aerial photos or just like travel aerial photos of yourself and your friends, they're really unfortunately the way to go.
0: I agree with that 100%. And something interesting is I worked for a drone company called Drone Genuity. And when we were looking at pilots on like who to you know reach out to to do a drone project, if you wanted to take this and turn it into a more professional career or even do some gigs on the side we really looked for dji drones because they performed some of the best the image quality was some of the best and they were just the most reliable from yeah, our the experience. image just sometimes will look like trash on the other drones it, it's unbelievable so i think you know based on your budget kind of look at what dji drones you think would be good for you and from the go review i mean mavic air 2 seems like a really great option at this point
1: yeah or i mean a mavic mini also is for starting out, granted it doesn't have any obstacle avoidance in there, but you really on—I would say it's bad to re- unless you have something like the Skydio drone. It's bad to even like rely on that obstacle avoidance as anything. Yeah, the only thing it's really good for is if you lose, uh, like you lose signal with it and it doesn't return to home, so that it won't just fly like automatically into something. It can actually kind of avoid it.
0: That makes sense. Okay, so now let's say you have your drone. Uh, and you're in the air. I mean, do you want to do like maybe photo tips and then video tips? I just put image quality, like
1: image tips, all together.
0: Perfect. All right, image tips. I uh, yeah, I guess like what what are some things you typically recommend or things you you would consider doing for uh, new pilots?
1: Uh, the one thing I'd say is a pretty big one is golden hour, right? Oh yeah, this is huge. What, Gabe? Can you explain what that is and why it's so important? So golden hour is generally one hour before sunset and about one hour after sunset, right, I think? Uh, you mean after sunrise. So, sorry, after sunrise. And it, Well, it's a little bit. It's like 30 minutes. I thought it was like 30 minutes after. I mean, they call it blue hour, but it's like technically like, you know, you don't have. Yeah, I don't know. It's. Anyways, what I would say with drones is really there's no point in flying after the sun has uh, set or before the sun has risen. Yeah, and you're actually yes, you, not really allowed to. Know, civil, civil Twilight is 45 minutes after it allows you to um so the faa allows it but i would say there's absolutely no point because once that sun goes down you really lose all contrast on the land and anything that makes it stand out and exciting and it just i mean i guess if you're if you have some creative vision of doing like long exposure or something like that all right go for it and maybe if you're near a city where there's really bright city lights to like make it interesting that could be cool but if you're out in the landscape i've I, as I said, I've flown flown like 600 flights and I've almost never been flown after sunset or before sunrise. and been like, oh, I was happy with my shots and and, in a similar vein, also, if it's cloudy, probably not going to be very interesting shots as well. Maybe if that's your aesthetic, like that gray, cloudy, misty look mysterious. But yeah,
0: I think it kind of depends on what you're doing, too. If you're doing a client shoot, maybe it's real estate or something. Having a cloudy overcast sky can actually be really nice for reducing those shadows
1: it kind of depends what they're looking for potentially but I I in general I would say it's probably not going to be as uh great as you think it is sure yeah I mean those
0: are great tips I think you get the the harsher shadows the greater contrast makes the photos more interesting to look at and honestly aerial sunset and sunrise photos they look great people love them basically no matter what that's a great time to to go up there and take some photos
1: yeah, but also, I mean, you've flown in midday. It doesn't look very good in midday, so you kind of want to skew towards like maybe four hours before sunset or four hours after, like right. Yeah, now, like kind of morning or afternoon. Yeah, late late morning or early afternoon. And if you know, um, like, if you're eating.
0: shooting a specific subject and you know the orientation of that subject, you can kind of say, all right, I want the sun to be hitting the front of it, or I want the sun to be hitting the back of it, like. That's a great way to help determine when you should go out on site to shoot that for uh, the aesthetic, the composition, and the shot you're going for.
1: Yeah, and kind of in that, uh, how would you research stuff like that? I mean, other than going out to the
0: place. I Google Maps is really I go to Google Maps to to figure out where it is, and you know the compass is right there, so you can see. All right, sun rises in the east, sets in the west. I can kind of guess what the shadows will look like. Or on even this like. Uh,
1: what are they? Google street photos and
0: yeah, Google street view. People, that's another thing. And people have submitted, I, I mean, do you typically look up your location before you go out there? I mean, what's, what's your process for kind
1: of picking a spot? I, yeah, I do probably too much research. I, you know, we'll go through Google like street view, look at the other photos people have taken, try to get an idea of that time of year. Like what does it look like? Especially like Instagram is great for that, for seeing what does this look like now? You know, I like to do a lot of waterfall flying. So waterfalls can vary based on how much rain is out there, right? Exactly. Or, you know, a forest can look different based on how much the leaves have come up or if there's any flowers, right? Stuff like that. So yeah, go on Instagram, see what the latest posts, what they look like at the location. Go on Google Photos, you know, see the 360 photos people have submitted to get an idea of hey, are there any power lines in the area? Are there any you know tall trees I should watch out for? Where could I take off from? Where could I land? Uh, then importantly, look up on AirMap, Kitty Hawk. Uh, before you fly app that even in the dji like i don't know what they call it but i think it's like a dji like they have their own near, map available on their website yeah, some sort of map but see if you're in a no fly zone see if you're near a no fly zone stuff like that or maybe very there's important. a ceiling
0: there's a certain exactly right yeah you can go. fly
1: but you can only go up to 200 feet or something uh and then the other thing is other than looking up like sunset and sunrise times the weather very important huge enormous uh, even just for, all right, do I have to wear a jacket or not? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, that, that's know, surprising, would, right? Especially in the winter. Your like hands you get cold. Towards the, it's chilly out there. Yeah. All right. Do I have to sit in my car or not? You know, uh, I would say, yeah, if you're going out, uh, look up the weather. I use this site, windfinder.com especially because as the name suggests, gives you wind speed forecasts, which is very important. Yeah, the wind you know? speed.
0: So it's typically like temperature, precipitation and wind speed. That's typically what I look for.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'd say almost precipitation number one, obviously then probably wind speed because yeah. I've had more times like after about one or two of my, you know, two or three hour drives, maybe to a place that, and I got out there and I was like, okay, it's too windy today. Or maybe it's not too windy to fly, but when you're flying around and stuff is blowing around a ton for video footage, it doesn't really look as good. Yeah. It can make it more challenging for the drone to get a stable shot. If the
0: drone has to compensate and really tilt into the wind. The gimbal can only correct itself so much, so you could end yeah. up with a tilted horizon line. We see this a lot with uh, a lot of photos and sometimes with video too. And you know that can be okay if you can fix it in post-production with editing, but that's definitely something to be mindful of. What's, uh, do you have a threshold of when you feel like it's too windy to go out there? Do you kind of play it by ear?
1: It really depends on the drone, but if it's over five mile an hour, you have to start kind of getting worried because it can gust higher. Uh, If it's over 10 mile an hour, if you have any of the cheaper drones, anything but really the Mavic Air 2 or the Mavic 2 Pro or that type of drone, you really need to start getting worried. And if it's over 15 to 20 miles an hour, I've flown a couple times. Well, that's, and again, that's also what Windfinder says versus what it actually is and what the gusts. Yeah. So when it starts gusting, like, I, I think the most I've actually flown in is like, it was probably gusting like 35, 40 miles an hour. Wow. Uh, and that was with the Mavic, original Mavic Air probably, or I, I don't know, it's uh, different ones, but it, it really is, it's risky because A, you could get out if you fly downwind and then you try to come back. It could not come back because the wind could be too strong. Uh, your battery is going to die a lot faster. Like you said, shots might not be as more stable and worst uh, case scenario, it could get knocked out of the sky. Yeah, that is the wind that is very true. Much. I think I typically try and shoot for around like,
0: 15 miles an hour is around the max and then when it's in that 15 to 20 range i'm definitely going to be more careful and if it's like gusting over 20 that's when i'm like all right maybe there's a better day to go out and fly and i think you kind of mentioned like going out and making sure there's no power lines something i like to do is when i arrive on site just fly straight up and spin the drone in a circle to see if i can see with the camera anything i may have missed while scouting it or if there's something to be aware of And then based on that height or
1: elevation. Hold on a second. And you you mentioned scouting it. That was the pre scouting too. But do you also scout it once you get there too as well? I mean, typically I feel familiar
0: enough where uh, I guess the places I've shot at, I've driven by enough where I feel comfortable. Like, all right, yeah, I kind of know what this area looks like. Or I will, as I mentioned, just fly up and kind of look around and before filming or shooting anything, just kind of. use the drone as a camera to see what I may need, need to be mindful of, or the altitude of trees. Like, all right, I need to be above this altitude to make sure the drone
1: is safe. Uh, that kind of thing. So that's, that's, that's very important. I would, I would highlight that in your, if you're writing down notes from this, highlight that a situ- situational awareness is very key because your drone can, even if you have object sensors and stuff, your drone can only see out the front. That's your view when you're flying. I mean, you can look up and see the drone. You're supposed to maintain line of sight so you can always see the drone. But you know you're you're really focusing on when you're capturing it on out what the camera's seeing out the front, and so having that situational awareness of yeah how tall are trees oh they're this tall how tall are the buildings oh they're this tall you know I, especially like I mentioned flying at waterfalls or flying at gorges and stuff I oftentimes if I'm flying up a gorge beforehand I'll look at that gorge and see all right where are the tree branches that are like because it's usually not those big branches you have to worry about it's the small it's those ones little ones the so where are they see. where are those power lines Like, that's really key. Oh, we have power lines crossing here. Well, I know if I get anywhere near there, I should definitely have my eyes locked on the drone and not on the screen, right? Yeah. So it's stuff like that that will make it, uh, you know, less likely that you're going to be crashing constantly and spending more time in the air. Because I will say the saying in drones uh, and drone pilots, I think still is true. They haven't gotten good enough that they won't crash. It's not if you crash, it's when. And I guess this is a good topic to bring
0: up DJI Care Refresh. Uh, I mean, I guess, do you recommend it? Should people do it? This is
1: DJI's sort of insurance Uh, system. I recommend it. You know, there are people and there are forums dedicated online where people are saying, do not do this, you know, go with State Farm's $75 drone insurance. And hey, maybe that's the way to go. Uh, You know, especially if you're with a different company that doesn't offer something like DJI Care. But I think it has gotten better in recent years. And you know for the first year at least that's a good option and then maybe after then look at something from like State Farm Allstate I don't know they offer some sort of drone insurance and that would be a better way to go. It's because, funny because uh, yeah.
0: None of my drones are actually ever been insured So I crashed my Mavic wow. Pro and I paid the 500 bucks to get it fixed but then I bought the Mavic 2 Zoom used on Craigslist so, because it's already been out, already been flown, already been used, Yikes. not eligible for any kind of uh, care. And I don't know if I could get uh, some other insurance
1: policy on it. But yeah, I've never yeah. had it, so it's. I'll say I've I've only the only drone I haven't crashed is the Mavic Air Two because you had it for three weeks. It's so new, and but I think and this brings me to something important. The next important point. Uh, none of my drones also when I've crashed them have hurt anyone, caused any property damage. Um, the only thing, you know, damaged in the crash was the drone itself. Which, And so I think that's, that's you important. know, something. Yeah, granted, the, the FAA has all these rules not flying over people, like all these different things. And there, it's important to follow those, but it's also the most important thing, I think, honestly, about safety when flying your drone is at no point when you're flying should you be um, risking other people's property other people's well-being or even your own safety yeah if you want to if you want to be like i want to take a risk right you're like oh it's windy out yes you can take that risk if the only thing you're risking is your drone is going to crash or oh there's a lot of trees here but i think i can thread the needle yeah but don't be you know don't be risking other stuff other than your drone
0: exactly right yeah and it's you know disappointing when it crashes but it's so much better than just your drone is damaged than anything else going wrong with uh, someone else's property or someone else's well-being. So that is a really uh, important
1: point. Yeah, I think um, uh, I do. Are we on? Do we do? We did image quality.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you have? Uh, I guess for maybe settings within the app or things you recommend. Or here,
1: here's actually one more thing about image, or this is more video. Yeah. Um, Something I see, and it's good, I guess, when you start flying, is people get their drone and they just fly super high and get you know, really tall, way up shots, and that's cool, but to really get more dynamic shots, you're not going to compete with a helicopter that can fly at, I don't know, what do they fly? Super fast, right? Well, they you also know, they, got fast and high. I mean,
0: they're way up there.
1: Yeah, so, no, but I mean, they can do shots at like 400 feet, you know, yeah. right? They can, they can do those really awesome shots that they get in movies and that's how a lot of movie aerial shots are filmed so people are used to if a shot's around 400 feet 600 feet 800 feet that it could be moving you know they can go what 100 miles an hour probably easily they can haul yeah they can haul yeah so you're not gonna get you know the fastest drone even the inspire uh two is i think 60 miles an hour other ones are far less you know mavic air 2 is around 40 i think 45 that's typical uh, yeah so you're not gonna and and that's full out sport mode you know, not just the normal mode. So don't like, you're not going to compete with a helicopter. Don't try to, yeah, it's great here and there for, you know, establishing shots and depending on the scene, but the best shots I've constantly, you know, like I said, I don't, I've never realized uh, that I got better, you know, better shots after sunset than before. So like looking back at all my flights, I'm like, I've never been flying in a place and been like, Ooh, the shots that that were the best from there were the ones that are super high up. That has its, has its place, but the ones that I've always, looking back on my reel, that are the best are the ones that are, you know, maybe moving through some trees, or moving out from trees into the open, or moving past a church steeple, or, right, has something kind of close to the drone to really give, like, a sense of the movement and make it more dynamic.
0: That makes sense. When you're so high up there, the movement is much less pronounced. It's more subtle. To, to some degree, like it can be hypnotizing, like everything moves nice and slowly. It's it's kind of beautiful, but it's not yeah. as energizing and being lower. I mean, m- one of my basic tips is to just keep the horizon line visible. Like if you're able to tilt that camera up, get the horizon poking in there. I think that helps add context. It helps you frame your photos and even for your videos. And if you're lower, you're more likely to have a more horizontal camera view, which keeps that horizon line in, in shot. So I think that's that's a great point and a great tip. Do you have any other and, uh, video shots? I mean, it seems like we're kind of talking about that, so maybe we can just go through some favorite ones to try. Oh uh,
1: yeah, here. Let's try to let's try to speed these up. They're taking a while. Yeah, um, right. speed them up. I would say I mentioned it earlier. Using tracking, uh, don't do it uh, unless you have your hands on the controller. Except for maybe well, the Skydio two. Um, I would say also like if you're in an area where you're worried about crashing you're probably not going to get good shots that way because you're going to be like too jerky on the controllers right you know yeah. it's an area with a ton of power lines ton of trees so again like i said looking back at all the times i've tried to fly in those areas i've never really gotten a good shot that i liked. maybe if you're doing a still photo but for video especially just don't even bother it's too much of a risk of crashing um uh, i'd also say like kind of going back to the getting dynamic and low shots a lot of the times the best shots i get are when i'm fairly close to the drone and able to stand fairly close and not where it's too far away so if i'm two to three hundred feet from the drone i have a really good idea of you know where the drone is i can get it a lot closer to objects and really thread needles and that makes it really interesting shots versus times when it's maybe 1500 feet away and i'm like having to you know keep my distance from objects because i don't want to crash
0: yeah i think those are those are great tips and you know some some other things to consider like the drone is really a flying gimbal and it allows it's, or a 3D, 3D camera in space. Right exactly so it's great for even just getting close to the ground like you're low to the ground and you're just moving towards someone's front door or maybe it's just behind you and, and what you can do is you can put the camera in spots that you normally wouldn't be able to put it like it's off a path for example of a trail and it can follow you or the subject as it walks through the trail um, and I think you know that's kind of an underrated feature it's like even still shots from a drone that you're not flying, but are just composed in an area that you normally wouldn't be able to reach can a lot of visual storytelling uh, to the film or the project you're working on. And I guess quickly to rattle off some shots here, uh, the bomb shot, you're looking top down on a subject, maybe a slight spin flying up or down. You call it the bomb shot. I saw it in a video it's like a top-down shot bird's eye view or god's eye shot maybe bird's eye view yeah Uh, an overtake shot maybe you're flying kind of horizontally near your subject and the drone overtakes the subject to reveal a landscape Um, a reveal shot maybe the camera's tilted down you're flying forward you tilt up to
1: reveal a landscape or subject I would say generally just watch some drone videos and note an interesting shot that they have maybe it's A a rotate around a subject but then it it pans off the subject to reveal a landscape maybe it's flying backwards and revealing like panning up while flying backwards like there's a lot of different things you can do and yeah it's but you can go by the book of like pan reveal left pan right pan right but look at what people do and how they actually implement it and that's more important I think
0: yeah I think that's a great tip and even if you happen to be watching movies like it almost changed my mindset when watching films like oh I know how they got this shot or oh that shot looks sweet I think going through watching your favorite creators and what shots they get it's a great way to find things to try them out plenty of videos online for that and so those are those are my shots um
1: and do you have other here's, yeah here's something that could be controversial i'm this ready for probably, it. this is like one of my last ones oh wait nd filters yeah so i i use them all the time i think absolute
0: recommend you need to get these that's my take Gabe, you're you're See, like shaking your
1: head. You're I'm a I'm like a never endier. Ooh, a never endier. <laughs> an anti vaxxer. I'm an anti endier No, I'm not I'm not an anti endier ND filter. ND filter, by the way, for people who don't know, neutral density filter, kind of like sunglasses for your camera. That's a great they explanation. Decrease I love the that. light so you can lengthen your exposure times, get more closer to film shutter speeds, like one twenty-fourth exposures or one thirtieth exposures, not actually you know, so your frame Frame rate might be that, but you could, if you don't have it on, you could be going to one, two hundredths of a speed shutter speed. So it basically makes your film look more supposedly filmic and your exposures for photos can be longer, which can allow more color and stuff like that. I think that, you know, unless, um, yeah, you can use them, right? But unless your creative project demands it, or you're familiar with the area and subject and you don't have any time constraints, I would advise against it because unlike a DSLR camera or something else, we can quickly spin off that ND filter, flip it up or whatever. You have to bring the drone all the way back to where you are. And either if it's an adjustable one, adjust it or take it off completely and switch to a different one, which even if you're good at it, it takes minimum of like, you know, between flying back from where you are to getting the drone back to there and changing the filter is like five minutes is most likely what it's going to be. And that could mean the difference of capturing the sunset or, you know, at the right time or, you know, missing the the ship that's flying, that's, you know, going through the foreground or, you know, this, that you're oftentimes doing landscape stuff with a drone and landscape lasts a moment. So it's, yeah, that's what I would say generally is use it sparingly. Yes. And maybe if it's an ND4 polarizer one or an ND8, you can always have it on, but I often find just keep that one Lens on there, make sure it's clean. Don't change out lenses and potentially get them dirty or dusty. Just leave that one on and you know, work on getting you know the right framing and your post editing skills rather than n d filters.
0: I think that's a very interesting tip, and I think for anyone starting out you you absolutely don't need them. The real reason to get an ND filter is on drones. Like for me, the Mavic two Zoom and the Mavic Air two that do not have variable apertures, so it can be more challenging. Like, my shutter speed sometimes would be, like, 1 600th or 1 one thousand. 1,000th. Um, I mean,
1: I've shot 1 1500th.
0: So really? Was, so, I mean,
1: yeah. It is what it is. Most people on YouTube aren't going to notice
0: it's it. It's true. The thing. So, that's the thing. It's true. Most people aren't going to notice. It's going to save you money. And If you're shooting for maybe, like, an actual, like, film or something, like, professional. Yeah, like, fine, whatever. Like, you're in the industry. You know what you need. Yeah. If you're just getting into it, I think, to some degree, they are overhyped. I do think the polarized ones... Can potentially make the most difference, Uh, but I mean, to Gabe's, to your point, like I do remember shooting a project, and it started getting darker. I had my ND filter on, and I thought I could just increase the ISO. But on drones, the cameras are just so—they're so good, but they also get really bad the moment you crank up the ISO. They get really grainy.
1: Yeah, so really grainy, really fast. And also, uh, if you're all of a sudden, I was trying to take a photo of a windmill or wind turbine spinning, and I couldn't give it to freeze the motion because my ND filter was on, and so it was just always slightly blurred, and I was like, come on.
0: Yeah, why is and this- you want the faster shutter speed, actually, because the drone is flying, it's moving, and the quicker yeah. you can make that capture time, the more likely everything will be sharp, in focus, and clear. So, yeah, I I kind of came on as the opponent here to try and instigate this, but now that you've brought it up, I think I will seriously reconsider what filters I use on my drone and when I'm using them because I agree with you. Getting the proper exposure is much easier without the ND filter, and most people aren't going to notice the difference. I think... Yeah. uh you have any, any last tips here? I mean, I would recommend, if you're into photo editing, I highly recommend shooting raw. You really can get much more information out of your drone. And some basic tips like use the zebra stripes for exposure. Put on the rule of thirds. Or screens.
1: use, uh, there's auto, there's AEB, auto exposure, exposure bracket, that's which huge. Will take three photos. That's great, even if you don't do an HDR merge, but it'll just make sure you have the, you know, the underexposed, overexposed options.
0: Yeah, and, you know, putting on the, the exposure warnings uh, can really help. I, I have
1: one last one that, that's an always, right? Yeah, what's your always? Always bring a spare set of propellers. Interesting, I. That's that's my always. I've never had an issue with that. I think really? one
0: one thing I would say is always remember to format your SD card. Always
1: make sure you have an SD card in the drone. That's
0: a step. Does the Mavic Air two have built in storage? Because they've been getting
1: it does, but only eight gigabytes. Yeah, it's, it's not, not enough. It's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's like emergency. Always, always bring a battery charger. Uh, and and get a ba- invest in having a battery charger that works in your car potentially. I think. No, once the thing with the propellers is once you have it happen once, you'll never be without it, right? Yeah. Like once you clip a tree just slightly or it gets damaged in your bag or your case, or, you know, something happens, or like, for example, <laughs> this is an embarrassing story. I, with my ma- uh, I think this happened only once to me, hopefully, uh, with my Phantom 4, you know, the propellers, same push on thing, but you don't have to always take them off, unlike these new drones where you can kind of leave them on sometimes. Uh, but with the Phantom 4, I put them on, I thought I got them all on. But one of them was just resting on top of the motor. Oh I started God! Started it up, and it like those little spinny things you had as a kid, where you spin them in your hand, and the propeller thing shoots flies up. up. It did that, and I was unfortunately taking off right next to like a eighty foot cliff drop, and it went down into the oh, water. No, and was never seen again. But luckily, I had a spare propeller, so there you go. And That's so why you bring that very, up.
0: I think the yeah, other exactly last bit of advice I would have is before you go out and fly. Just turn your drone on and do the software update, because oh yeah, those are those can be killer. Though, I mean I've so many times I've gone out on site,
1: especially if you haven't flown in a while. Yeah, the drone maybe
0: just if you has an update.
1: Yeah, so if you've flown in the past week, you're probably fine, but otherwise, yeah, definitely definitely check for software updates. I th- I mean it's a great tip. Like check your settings before you go out in the field and fly. It's
0: much more relaxed when you're at home, and if you need to, you can re top up the battery so you have full juice again. But yeah, I think those are the tips I have. I think this has hopefully been helpful. A good compilation. Yeah, that
1: was I honestly could have gone on for far longer. Maybe we'll do another episode. We'll do it like an advanced episode. Yeah, we'll have episode. To do a part two. Yeah. Editing
0: something. tips and tricks, getting the right shots. There's plenty There's of right tutorials accessories. online. Accessories. I you've yeah. got so much, so many more accessories than
1: I do. I'm like bare get bones. Get a drone here. landing pad. Get a drone landing pad only if you just want to look pro uh, and sell your clients. That's the only reason you need it. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, hopefully, this was interesting. If you're not a drone user, hopefully, you still found this episode interesting, despite it being very drone-heavy on the topics. And yeah, let us know what you want us to talk about in our future episodes on our social media. What are they, Stephson? So you can find us at Pinch to Zoom
0: Pod on Twitter, at Pinch to Zoom Podcast on Instagram, and Pinch to zoompodcastcom Also, please feel we're do. F- we're doing more video content too. You can find us on YouTube, on Pinch YouTube. to Zoom Podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We greatly appreciate it. It really helps support the show. Otherwise, that's going to be it. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And we look forward to talking to you pilot. in the next episode. Well, now I, I want to go out and fly. I want to see this new drone you got here. We got a. We gotta put something on the books for that.
1: Get get in our hazmat suits and well, go I guess there. that we I guess we could stand, you know, thirty feet apart and fly. Yeah, it's so true. It's fine.
0: I went out with one Socially of my friends distancing. and it was really fun. We had a great time. And we just made sure to stay at different altitudes. That was the big thing. Like, oh where are you? I'm over here.
1: Yeah, just, just so you don't so you don't spread the virus between drones, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs>